0: Listening to a Drishti Point podcast? Please visit our website for more inspiring interviews on yoga, spirituality, and wellness. About Sally Kempton's new book, Awakening Shakti, and my name is Martina Bell, and I have the great um, joy and honor to um, speak to Sally today, Sally Kempton and Sally has been studying and teaching the wisdom of yoga for 45 years and she's a highly regarded teacher of meditation and spiritual philosophy she also writes for the yoga journal column called wisdom mm-hmm. and she teaches retreats teleclasses and workshops internationally and um Sally i believe you're coming to Seattle in September
1: I am i am i'm
0: actually teaching a class on
1: uh, the Sacred
0: Feminine in, in, uh, in uh, Seattle. Great. Yeah, I'm really hoping um, to come down and meet you there. Um, so, yeah, your, your new book, um, what really interests me about um, the, the title, how, how did you come to choose um, the title Awakening uh, Shakti instead of maybe Introduction to the Goddesses or something else?
1: Um that uh, that is a great question. and actually my publisher sounds true, chose the title mm-hmm. uh, because they are that that they felt that the word Shakti has so much resonance mm-hmm. um, you know that it, it it refers to some of the qualities of the sacred feminine that go beyond their forms as the goddess. Mm-hmm. Probably left to my own devices, I would have called it. Goddess, or mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, something mm-hmm. like that specifically related to the to those forms, but awakening Shakti, uh, it actually has a lot of Shakti. It has a lot of a lot of the a lot of energy. So I think they made a good choice.
0: Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what what actually is the the relationship between um, Shakti and and the the goddesses?
1: Okay. Um, well, in the in the Indian tradition, as you probably know, uh, the divine, the sacred, the absolute, uh, is, is seen in certain aspects of the tradition as, as consisting of equal, equal, um, capacities for, uh, for awareness and dynamism, for consciousness and love. Uh, you know, especially in the tantric traditions, um, the, 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 the sublime, the divine, The absolute is uh is is called shiva and shakti Mm
2: -hmm.
1: um shiva being the masculine um the 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 aspect of the divine that is absolute awareness and or you know absolute consciousness that we we have our english language for for this is not quite adequate to the Mm -hmm. sanskrit but and the the dynamic creative power the energy of the divine is known as shakti and, you know, and in the tradition, the, this, this dynamic creative capacity of, you know, of the sacred, of the divine, of God, is, is personified um, in the form of goddesses, anthropomorphic goddesses, who, uh, who have, um, you know, light forms that, you know, people see in meditation and that are represented in sacred art, who also have sound forms that are represented in mantras and they and they are most deeply experienced certainly by me as energies that you begin to access through meditation and um and begin to be able to identify through the the felt sense of their energy through the sense of sacred um gifts that you experience when you invoke them so so the so Shakti is the dynamic creative energy at the heart of life, and the goddesses are let's say the personal forms that represent different aspects of this creative energy, such as love, um, strength, um, power, revolutionary activity, wisdom, etc. Mm-hmm.
0: So they so it's is it. Um, is then the shakti, the, the force that um, brings the goddesses, or the, from this more subtle, uh, the absolute realm, into our um, into our world as part of those energies, as you as you mentioned.
1: That's a very very good way of describing it. I mean, we could you know we could say that, that uh, at the heart of the universe, the source of the universe is you know this vast formless intelligence, mm-hmm. which also has the nature of love. And and that and that and that at a certain level um, during the process of manifestation, it takes many forms, including the subtle forms um, that you know. In the Hindu and Tibetan traditions and other ancient traditions, we call deities. So yes, the Shakti brings forth, brings about the manifestations. These very subtle, powerful, um, you know, personal manifestations that we call deities. As well as bringing forth our own bodies and the physical universe, you know, and you know, and the 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 many many universes that exist uh, inside the manifest world. So yes, she is she is the she is according to the tradition, according to the tantric tradition, she's the power behind all this. And of course, in in Western science, we more and more uh, recognize the, you know that there's this this natural creative force that. That manifests something out of what appears to be nothing, and that's that. W- that's what um, the tantric tradition would call shakti.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. Um, you already mentioned um, how the the goddesses present themselves in your in your own practice. Um, would you share a little more about about that? Is it yeah, particularly yeah, one goddess or one energy, and what what experience yes. did you have? Is there anything that's particularly um, memorable or that changed how you continued your your sadhana or your uh, practice? Well, my my um, initial experience
1: of the goddess actually happened um, about 30 years ago in India um, during a Navaratri festival and. You know, again, as you probably know, Navaratri, which means nine nights, mm-hmm. it's, it's a festival that takes place twice a year, and that's in honor of the goddess Durga, who is the, 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 the goddess of, <coughs> she's a warrior, she's a protector, she's one of the most popular goddesses in India, and she's the, the primary myth of the goddess, <coughs> excuse me,
2: mm-hmm.
1: is a, um, is a myth of her, of three of her epic battles with a series of demons, and on uh, this festival, these, this poem, which is called the Devi Mahatmya, is sung, and stories of the goddess are told. And I was, uh, I was telling a story, a mythological story about the goddess, and um, you know, in a in a very sacred festival atmosphere. And as I began to tell the story, I began to feel this extraordinary, ecstatic, loving, very palpable, feminine energy mm-hmm. around me and inside me. And I was literally, uh, I I was literally so filled with ecstasy that I actually had to struggle to speak and tell mm-hmm. the story. And with that experience, um, I began to have a deeper and deeper sense of. The presence of sacred feminine energies in my life. Uh, I would experience presence in nature, um, a very palpable, loving feminine feminine presence in nature. I would find um, her energy coming, you know, um, being present in my meditations,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and uh, in very subtle ways. And and for many years, I I I kind of took it for granted. Uh, I was practicing in a tradition in which um, kundalini energy is awakened by the teacher, and mm-hmm. so I was very familiar with the understanding of Shakti as uh, as the in- interior force that powers meditation and spiritual growth. The,
2: mm-hmm.
1: You know, the so-called kundalini Shakti. Um, but I had never before really considered um mm-hmm. that, you know, the aspect of the divine feminine um, as a as as a goddess as a as a personal as a being whom I could invoke and actually experience as a guide and over the years uh, I've just found that um, meditating with goddess mantras and and then asking goddess energies to be present uh, has makes a very very palpable Difference both in my meditation and in, uh, in my capacity to feel the, you know, the, the surprises of life. So I would say if, if someone asked me if there's one goddess mm-hmm. that I'm particularly personally, uh, related to, I would probably say it's the goddess Durga, whom mm-hmm. I can talk more about. But in fact, especially when I began writing this book, uh, I discovered that, you know, that that there, that several of the goddesses were, uh, let's say, um, willing to be as you know, as they say in modern language, channeled um, mm-hmm. in the process of writing the book. So, I had many, many experiences of the goddesses while teaching and also while writing the book. That that uh, there would be a presence that would make itself felt around me and. More and more, that presence would um, would speak, or literally write through my fingers. Um, so a lot of my experience of of uh, connection to the goddesses has come about because they they uh, they it, it's they seem to want to offer information and presence, um, you know. Uh, through me as they do through many others uh, in the world at this time because as you know we're we're in a period of of history when the sacred feminine is very much um, becoming more recognized and let's say more palpably present in the world you know as a mm-hmm. as a recognizable force yeah yeah
0: yeah and um the The experience you had with being connected um to the goddess um that was mostly um uh, positive or in your book you also write a lot about the the shadow sides of the the goddesses um did you ever come into contact with that as well um
1: i uh i tend to to have a you know, let's call it worshipful attitude towards the sacred feminine. Mm. And one of the one of the gifts of of really recognizing uh the sacred in experience and of course the you know the essence of Shakti is that Shakti is really uh let's you know, I I I like to call it the evolutionary eros in the universe. So Mm -hmm. so all the energies that manifest in nature um, as well as in human life are connected to goddess energies if you really take them down to their source and in the tantric traditions, one of the primary practices is to look into um, intense experience, you know whether it's the experience of sexuality, which is of course very famous in tantra. but in my practice it I work with it much more in terms of emotional
2: hmm.
1: uh, energy so one of the things that you learn to do when you're doing tantric practice is to look at intense emotions like anger, fear, um, jealousy, lust, uh, and trace, you know, and take them from the external manifestation, you know, the, you know, the kind of difficult, um, agitating experience of those emotions on the surface mm-hmm. and move back through them to the source and to really getting down to the, the actual source of energy within you, and within the world, and when you do that, that the energy that that might seem negative or you know or um, or difficult or dicey in some way, actually can begin to reveal its sacred core. So, I would say that no, I don't experience the goddesses mm-hmm. in negative ways. And one reason that I, you know, knock on wood, of course, is always the first mm-hmm. time. Um, but if you're really looking for the sacred, for the goddess, for the the divine beauty, you know, in all manifestations of life, then you do begin to experience the goddess's love. And sometimes that love is very fierce, you know, sometimes it's, sometimes it just kind of, it feels as though you're being grabbed by, you know, some kind of internal or external force and shaken up. But, uh, but if you, If you learn to see the goddess in them, then she always inevitably reveals that that inside her, her fierceness, even her fierce manifestations, is this very powerful love. And one of the things I talk about in the book is a long chapter on the goddess Kali, Mm -hmm. uh, who's one of the fierce, of course, as we know, one of the fierce forms, one of the most well-known fierce forms of the goddess, Uh, of of discovering during a period of you know very intense upheaval that was connected to practices that I was doing with the goddess that that when you turn towards her um, rather than you know than running away from her or being afraid of her or uh, or resisting her that it's that she she actually reveals that her fierce love is the, it's actually the deepest form of love of love I've ever experienced mm-hmm. you know in its intensity it's it's also profoundly ecstatic. So, um, I would say, you know, you also asked the question about the shadow. Mm -hmm. Um, And one of the things that you discover when you take a really non-dual view of the energy is that you you kind of have to recognize that whatever arises in this world is a manifestation of Shakti. So, Mm -hmm. you know, and that includes... um, The difficult dicey aspects of human behavior as well if you if you really um, you really understand them in a non-dual way you begin to see that they you know that they are let's say distortions of qualities of the Shakti because of course um, there's there's a huge difference in the way Shakti manifests in human beings according to their level of consciousness right Mm -hmm. so uh, to, you know, to use the to use the beautiful um, um, categories from the Bhagavad Gita. You know, we can say that in human life, uh, you know, and in the universe in general, um, energy manifests in pure ways or in Sanskrit saucy ways. It and in, you know, in in which case we we experience it as very light, as very harmonious, as very beautiful. It can also manifest in in uh in very active rajasic ways in which case we man- we know it we experience it as intense activity ambition passion mm-hmm. intensity and it can also manifest in in uh, in darker more ignorant ways mm-hmm. you know or kamasak as in the sanskrit word and so when the goddess's energy is filtered through the different levels of consciousness in human beings especially um it it, manifest, it can manifest in what we call shadowy ways that are kind of unique to the particular energy, so for example, the energy of the goddess Lakshmi, who's the goddess of abundance, beauty, love, and um, you know and you know and in a general way of, you know all forms of wealth um, when people go after Lakshmi um. From a from a, a a rajasic or greedy state of consciousness, or from a tamasic, you know, ignorant state of consciousness, then they can experience the shadow of the goddess of wealth, as you know, as greed and financial manipulation, and you know, all the all the ways of uh, you know of negative um, negative wealth consciousness mm-hmm. that we experience in the world today. So, so really, the shadow aspects of of the Shakti, of the goddess, manifest through human consciousness um, in our less evolved aspects.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then, in the sort of the whole spectrum of goddesses, um, you already mentioned Lakshmi as uh, the goddess of, of beauty, and then Durga, the, and Kali more the fierce or warrior. Um, goddesses is is in that spectrum is there like a hierarchy among the goddesses or are they all of equal um, equal presence or equal strength, like because I'm, i am was wondering when I read the book how um, now when we go to a yoga class or or a lecture how there's always um, Saraswati, Lakshmi, and Kali—they are always the ones, the sort of the, the trinity almost that I mentioned. But then uh, the ones you mentioned later in the book—they hardly ever um, appear, and I was just yeah wonder why why that is.
1: That's a great question. And, um, as you prob, as you probably know, uh, India is a gigantic subcontinent mm. with many regions and many cultures. And, uh, and you know, there's a saying that, that every village has its own deities. So, so there are many, many forms of these goddesses who are, uh, invoked under different names in different parts of India. Um, some of them, uh, have, have been, are so ancient and have been popular for so long that they've become what we could call major goddesses. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, I'm, I'm speaking more as a devotee than as a scholar, but in general, in my experience of contemporary, um, you know, uh, religious practice in India, um, Durga, Kali, and Lakshmi, and Ganesha, and Krishna, and Rama you know, the masculine gods in Shiva tend to be the most popular deities and, you know, there's there's an interesting interplay between um, you know, between the the pure energies of deities and the the energies that are invoked by people who who worship them and build temples to them and you know enchant their mantras. And essentially when deities are loved and worshipped for generations by many many people the vortex of energy around them gets larger and they be, they seem to become um, they be, seem to become more present in the world so for example durga and kali uh are you know, are often considered um, uh to be to be goddesses who are who can be worshipped as the absolute, the source, as in you know, in India Shiva and Vishnu um, are in you know to their to the people who worship them. Um, you can you can use Shiva's name when you mean God mm-hmm. uh or Vishnu's name when you mean God and you can use Durga's name when you mean God, you know, what in the West we call mm-hmm. God for want of a better word. So mm-hmm. so Durga and Kali tend to be <clears throat> the um, Let's call them bigger goddesses, more all-encompassing goddesses. Because, you know, partly because they they are ancient. They've been loved and worshipped by many, many, many people, especially um, in royal courts. Mm-hmm. You know, there are many of the kings of of Rajasthan, for example, were lovers of the goddess Durga because they were warriors, and she's a warrior goddess. And similarly, uh, in northern India. Um, there, there are many of the, many of the, the royal courts worship different forms of Kali. Uh, so a lot of it depends on, you know, the, the, the culture, uh, on particular cultures and, and places. Uh, and yes, there are goddesses who are more popular and culturally important. And in the yoga world, um, uh, Kali, Lakshmi, and Saraswati, and, of course, Durga,
2: mm-hmm.
1: are the ones that, you know, that most people know. The, the, the other goddesses that I, I speak about in the book
2: mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, are they come from a tantric tradition um, known as the Mahavidyas. They're, they're esoteric goddesses. They're essentially goddesses of spiritual practice, and they're considered to be forms of Kali. Uh, so they're part of, you know, what we could call the retinue of Kali. And they're, um, they're very much, they're very important in, um, in the traditions that, that, in the tantric, uh, the, the old tantric traditions, uh, both in, in, in parts of northern India and also in southern India. And I find them, I, I came to find them particularly interesting and resonant because they actually, uh represent different phases of the the uh, transformation of consciousness. Mm-hmm. Um you know they, they they are goddesses who who can be linked to your states of meditation in very specific ways. Mm-hmm. Um and some of them, for example, uh Lalita Tripura Sundari is mm-hmm. not so well known in the West but is very, very popular in India as, you know, she's the goddess of the Sri Yantra which is probably the most popular depiction yeah. of the goddess, but, and uh, and she's she's uh, she's an incredible, mysterious and profound embodiment of feminine empowerment, because she's both beautiful and uh, and she's you know and she's a ruler she's a queen she's one of she's she's a con- she's she's a form of Parvati so she's a consort of Shiva so she's she's a um, she's you know she's a goddess of love she's a goddess of power she's a goddess of the the highest realms of consciousness and uh, and she's very much a secret goddess you know she's not that popular um, but she's to me um, when I started investigating Lalika, which I really did um, when I, you know, several years ago, when I was doing a class on this particular group of goddesses, I discovered that she represents qualities in the feminine that very few women have the the guts, if you will, mm-hmm. to embody. So, you know, there've been there've been very few women in history who really held the Lalita qualities of beauty, power, um, and you know, and rulership. So, mm-hmm. I I find that she's a, a tremendously important form of the sacred feminine for women to study and own because she she can uh she can really gift women with the with the capacity to truly honor um, our own power uh without sacrificing love and you know and harmony and the qualities of the traditional feminine you know she's She's both nourishing and uh, kick-ass, you know.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she's,
1: she's a goddess of sacred sexuality as well as a goddess of, of the highest realms of consciousness. She's, she represents the awakened spiritual energy um, manifesting as complete, you know, as the ecstasy of the higher chakras and the highest realms of consciousness. So she's, she's an amazing... Um, Deity and an amazing actual I feel role model. Uh, one of the ways that you know that tuning into the sacred feminine can really show women our deepest, uh, you know, our, the deepest kind of empowerment. And she's also a goddess who's been traditionally in the tantric ashrichakra uh, chakra traditions. She's been very deeply worshipped by male practitioners. You know, so she's. She manifests as a kind of inner lover when Kundalini is awakened for both men and women. She's really a sublime being, Lalita Tripura mm. Sundari. Her name means the playful beauty of the three worlds.
0: Ah, uh, that's beautiful. So she, uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and that, yeah, that was a, a, a deity that I've never um, come across um, before, and um, I was going to ask you about um, for our our practice. Like I always feel there's a certain um, g- uh, gravity or a certain affinity uh, with one um, um, deity. But uh, for example, when I read the chapter about dumavati I didn't even want to continue <laughs> reading yeah. the chapter. Um, and yeah, I was wondering how. Yeah, how to approach how to approach the, the the goddesses.
1: Well, let me tell you something really interesting about Dumavati before I speak more generally. Mm-hmm. Um, I have found that there are many, many women, including very young and beautiful women, who identify with Dumavati. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, she's she's um uh, Dumavati for for your listeners is a crone goddess and she's she's called the widow and of course in indian society widows are considered mm-hmm. very unfortunate um so she's 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 very she she represents the marginal aspects of the feminine um as it turns out uh many many women um have a secret affinity mm-hmm. <laughs> for the marginal crone energy and of course Dimavati is also a goddess of esoteric wisdom so you know She's so, like all the goddesses, she has great gifts to give us if we're able to tune into her. But, um, one of the things that I, I did in the book, because everyone, of course, always asks this question, how do you, how do you know which goddess, you know, you have an affinity to? I actually included, uh, a quiz in the back of the yeah. book. Yeah. So, <laughs> so that, that, that uh, people tell me it's actually very helpful because you can kind of, um, some, you know, there, there, there are quite a few of the goddesses who, uh, are extremely intriguing.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, for example, I know many, many women, and I, know, you know, you may also, who, who are, you know, kind of embody Durga in their lives. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, mm-hmm. they're women, you know, women in the workplace, women who are doing cutting edge jobs like mm-hmm. yours. Uh, and, you know, and she's, she's a goddess who really stands for, um for the can-do, you know, very strong, active, feminine. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Um, I always felt that she was the goddess of the, of the uh, feminine, she's a feminist goddess, Mm -hmm. very much Mm -hmm. so. So, you know, in the quiz, there's some questions about Durga. Do you have a desire to protect others? Um, Do you feel the wrongness of social injustice? Mm -hmm. Are you a leader? Um, Are you capable of doing several things at once? Um, whereas the questions for Lakshmi, who's, you know, the, the classic, famous, beautiful goddess, you know, it's, um, are you physically attractive? Are you interested in fashion, decoration, and design? Um, do you need to have beauty around you? Uh, do you have a green thumb? Um, do you prefer to be around successful and refined people? Are you kind? You know, that, that Lakshmi is kind of a traditional... You know, one of the manifestations of Lakshmi is as the, you know, the, as the beautiful, um, uh, you know, sexually desirable and yet refined um, traditional feminine. You know, mm-hmm. she's very, very much the model of the traditional feminine. Um, Kali, uh, one of the questions is, do you sometimes frighten people with your intensity? Mm-hmm. Um, do you have, you know, do you have more energy than anyone you know? Um are you wild? Uh, you know, whereas, uh, the goddess Saraswati, um, you know, is very much the goddess of, uh, of artists and, uh, writers and musicians is, you know, she's, of course, the, the patron goddess of Indian music. Mm-hmm. Um, the great Indian musicians always have a picture of Saraswati, um, you know, next to them when they play. Uh and so each of the goddesses has a realm, um, one of my favorite goddesses and, uh, and one who is not so well known, but who I actually think is one of the, one of the great, um, we could call, say, patron deities of yoginis, of women in the yoga love is Parvati,
2: you
1: know, who's the consort of Shiva and who's also a great yogini, you know, who's the practitioner of vasana um. And she's also a mother, uh but you know, she's the only one of these goddesses who actually has kids. She's a mother of Ganesh and Kartikeya. Um, but she's also very independent and creative, so she's a kind of a great role model for modern women. Um and my favorite current you when know, one might say very favorite goddesses is Bhuvaneshwari,
2: whose name
1: means um the lady of space she's the lady of of the you know she and she's considered the goddess who actually manifests the physical which is the form of the goddess who manifests the physical world she's very much an, a nature goddess an earth goddess but but um, but also a goddess of you know of subtle earth element
2: mm-hmm.
1: so each of them you know has a has a quality that um, is helpful to
0: us at different times mm-hmm. in our lives. Yeah, and when, like, I'm often also thinking about, like, trying to relate um, the, the, the goddesses to um, beginners in my um, yoga classes, for example, and, yeah, sometimes we're so concerned about uh, when somebody's more skeptical about um, the practice, um, how the word God would um, come across, um, let alone goddess, right? Um, so I'm just thinking now with the, the quiz questions you mentioned and teaching them as as energies. Um, that's such a beautiful way to relate um, that to um, somebody who's maybe a little newer and um,
1: yeah. And also, you know, to tell the myths. Because you know people do enjoy stories, and I, one of the things I've noticed about you know yoga yoga practitioners is that um, you know they like hearing stories of, about the asanas and mm-hmm. you know the myths associated with them and um, and there is a certain point where uh, more and more I think yoga practitioners uh You know, like, they like to hear the stories. You don't have to ask them to believe it. (laughs) That's always the thing. You know, just, it's like if you tell the story, what often happens, and I'm I'm sure you experience this as well, is that, you know, these stories have, they have, they have Shakti in them. Mm. So, so, you know, you can hear the story and you feel something. Uh, and that feeling, that energy is a, is a quality of the goddess's energy and, um, and it's, it's helpful to you, even if you don't understand why. Mm. So it's something that we can offer to students, you know, without necessarily asking them to, mm. you know, to study the whole richness of Indian mythology and become a Hindu.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Great. Um, so your workshop in Seattle, is that going to be about the goddesses? Yes,
1: yes, it's it's yes. called Dancing with the Divine Feminine, and it's it's actually about about Durga Kali, Lakshmi, mm-hmm. and Saraswati, and it's very experientially based. So we'll do um, we'll do a lot of practices for invoking the goddesses and also for understanding how their energies are naturally manifesting in your life.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Do you want to um, the- one of the things that I love to see when I teach workshops on the goddesses is that people both men and women start to recognize how there are certain energies that that they felt all their life all their lives and that um, that are part of their you know of their personality and once they start to recognize the goddess they can they can understand how to take qualities in the personality and um, and kind of up level them so that they are more uh, they more reflect the sacred aspect of the energy mm. rather than the more shadowy aspect and goddess practice is incredibly transformative mm. in this way you know, so that for instance somebody who tends to be you know get frustrated and angry when things aren't going his way or her way by meditating on Durga who's you know who's the energy of, of, of Activity, you know, of purposeful cut through obstacles. Activity, you can actually start to, to manifest this energy, not so much as you know through frustration and patience, but but through you know a kind of heart-based, um, uh, you know, cut to the chase yeah. capacity for action. Mm-hmm. That's so that it has, you know, for, for example, I know I know a, I have a friend who's a lawyer. And um, when she first began studying yoga, she would, you know, she would read the texts, the Bhagavad Gita and other texts and Patanjali's Yoga Sutras, which you know tell you that anger is is, uh, you know, anger and lust and greed are mm. you know anti-yoga qualities. Yeah. And she would say to me, well, but I need my anger because that's what fuels me as a lawyer. Mm. You know, she's a litigator. And I've I I I'd, I'd had her. Uh, begin to meditate on Durga, and she began to realize that there is this warrior quality that you know that, that is actually the essential um, mm-hmm. quality in her personality that lets her be an effective lawyer, and it doesn't depend on anger at all. Mm-hmm. You know, so so that's one of the ways that the, these goddesses, and similarly, you know, with Lakshmi, um, you know, you can recognize your love for beauty and your love for adornment. Um, you know, and your love for, for beautiful people uh, and see it as, as a quality of luxury rather than, as, uh, rather than, for example, being jealous of people who are more beautiful than you. Or, so, so it's very, very helpful.
0: Beautiful. Oh, beautiful. Oh, Sally, it's been a great, great honor to speak to you. Thank you so much for this interview on Drishti Point.
1: Um, well, it's been very beautiful for me as well.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: uh, and would you like to have the information about the um, the workshop in Seattle? Uh, yes, please. Okay, so um, it's at Nalanda, uh, which is a, a Buddhist retreat center in Seattle, and um, it's you know the the information is available on It's actually called Nalanda Bodhi, um, okay. and also. And, uh, uh,
0: what's
1: your website, Sally? Somebody yes, you can. Yes, yes. My website is www.sallykempton.com mm-hmm. and you can find my schedule there. Right. You can also. Um, I also give. I give uh, teleclasses uh, every month, and mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. I'm usually giving a tele. Every other month, I'm usually giving a teleclass on some aspect of the divine feminine. Okay. So
2: mm-hmm. you,
1: you can find out Thank about you. those, and yeah. the book is. Awakening Shakti. It's available on Amazon and through Sounds True, which is the publisher, yeah. or on my website on, at SallyKempton.com.
0: Great, great, Sally. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you so Thank much. You. It was completely delightful. No, no, no. And uh, and have a have a uh, all, the, all the best with your show and all the great work you're doing.
2: Thank you. Thank you.
0: Thank you for listening to Drishti Point. We dedicate our efforts to the health and happiness of our listeners and for the health and happiness of all living beings.